The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jason Albrecht, codename Weasel Skull. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Yep, yep, I wormed my way in here, Pat. We sent Jared on a special mission, but you know what? Just pretend like I'm Jared. Relax, go with it. It will all be okay. <laughs> Oh, Bravo Team got an upgrade to Alpha Bravo, Team now. Bravo Team upgraded. That's right. <laughs> Moving to the front. This well, is secret. I didn't even know where he went. It's top secret. He's hanging from the side of a ship with wetsuit and torpedo, you know? You know that pose firing the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, he, so he's hanging with wetsuit and torpedo, not hanging there with a wetsuit on and a torpedo. Well... <laughs> I don't know if well, I want to... I can't get that image out of my... My eyes. I know I can't either. I've seen that <laughs> that classic cover, but with Jared just, <laughs> just, just hanging there. Yeah. Oh, that would be a good one to get. That would be funny. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you, DJ Cristados, and all the green shirts that are tuning in for this podcast. I want to welcome you all to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post two thousand GI Joe comics with us. As we chronicle our way through the Devil's Do Run. And let's just fall into formation and see what happens. All right, all right. Let's do it. All right. Well, on this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Cristados and I are going to rotate in nobody for the show. It's just the two of us. We're keeping this team lean. Trying something different. Just the Weasel Skull and Cristados. Hanging out. Having I'm- fun. This, I think this is in all our years. This is like the first one that it's only been the two of us on, isn't it? I think so. I think so. Oh, man. So this is new territory here. Ooh. We're going to get crazy. Yep. We're going to get a little crazy. Jared, sorry about this. Going to apologize for all the editing you're going to have to do. <laughs> there will be dire consequences for you if you do not obey my orders. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to Fort Longbox. You know what? What? They know me. They know you. Let's just turn it over and... Uh, you go ahead and do this episode's intelligence report. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. It's been nice and easy. We'll get this done, and then you and me can go ahead out and have some drinks at the uh Get some Yojo Colas? Yes. We can go ahead That's and get fair. some Yojo Colas. Some donuts. Mm. Have some fun. I love it. Let's knock right. this out. All right. Well, for this mission, we'll be covering G.I. Joe number 22. Publisher was Image. It's got a cover date of September 2003, but its on-sale date was October 8th, 2003. Writer was Josh Blaylock. Penciler is Brandon Bardu. Inker, Andrew Pipoy. Colorist is Brett R. Smith of Color Fusion. And letterer is Dreamer Designs. Cover art is Michael Turner. And speaking about the cover art, Weasel Skull, please take us through the cover description. Oh, yes, sir. Take cover! So for this cover, the image eye is highlighted in white as it blends in with its brown background. The cover price is still 2 
The main action kind of reminds me of a family photo day as you have a mysterious man wearing a suit posing in front of five identical looking boys with another older, more teenage looking boy standing behind them. In the background, dominating the page is the face of Serpentor who glares ominously at us. So, Pat, what'd you think of the cover? Interesting cover. I like the Serpentor, Serpentor <laughs> image in the background. Him looking ominously at him. He was a figure that I thought was really always kind of a cool figure. Yeah, me too. I, and I really enjoyed the original story of 4950 of him coming around, 4849 of the Marvel run, when they actually make him. Yes. Bring it all together. So looking at this, I don't know if the guy up front is that Serpentor or is it, I don't you know, know who that the old guy is. I couldn't tell either. I thought maybe it was. The image is really heavily shaded. Mm -hmm. And so I thought they were trying to say, this is Serpentor coming back. And then you have those five little kids in the background, which we'll get into a little bit later. I think they're like his progeny, kind of. They, yeah. They're like little, I don't know, like little Hitlers or little Caesars or whatever. Little Caesars, that's a good pizza. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Ooh, we could do that with some Yojo Cola. Pizza, pizza. All right, right now we know what we're doing. <laughs> let's grab some Little Caesars and some Yojo Cola. But yeah, I couldn't tell for sure either. Because the only other really major character in there was, I think that was Dr. Mindbender. I was going to, mm -hmm. and that definitely does not look like Dr. Mindbender in the foreground picture. Uh, no, it doesn't. Did. Yeah, I didn't think so either once we read it. So we'll find out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure who that older gentleman is of course we kind of figured out a few of the kids from mm -hmm. a few issues ago when they were you know getting those boys together and now so we're kind of getting back to the story but other than that you know it's a decent cover i think what pulls me into it is the serpentor image of it and it's like ooh, you know 100 yeah 100 percent. i was thinking the exact same thing when I looked at it originally, the first thing that I kind of noticed was the kids, how they all look identical. They look like mm -hmm. identical quintuplets. And you could really tell it's a Turner cover by the kids and their eyes and their facial features are designed. Oh, okay. My first thought was, what a waste, Van F. Michael Turner. And you just had those kids. But then you look at that Serpentor in the background. Mm-hmm. That saves it for me. You know, at first I was like, like I said, it, it kind of just reminded me of those old photos, the days when your parents like mm -hmm. made you get dressed up and go to Sears and, yep. and then stand in front. And then, you know, <laughs> and then Serpentor is your backdrop, though. That's really cool. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wouldn't have complained so much if Serpentor was in my backdrop <laughs> with those family photos. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like it a lot. So. With that, let's go ahead and figure out how we want to rate this. And on this show, we do a scale of 1 to 10 flag points. 1 meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's perfect and you would make a recruiting poster out of it. So I think this would be a recruiting poster for Cobra or for Serpenter's coil group or whatever they're calling it. 1 to 10 flag points, Jason. I'm giving it a 7. I think it's well above average, but I do love that Serpentor in the background. But I think, man, if you had thrown some, I don't know, some Crimson Guards there in the front foreground, maybe we would have bumped that up 
mm-hmm. a couple points. Yeah, just having the kids and the mysterious man in the foreground didn't quite grab me. It, it definitely didn't grab me like the last comic you guys had me on where you know, we had Storm Shadow and Cobra Commander on that cover. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that was legit. I'm going to land on a seven. What about you? I'm middle of the road. I'm going to give it a six. I think okay. the kids in that, that's what kind of pulled me off. I love the Serpentor in his in his outfit there. I love that picture. If it was just that, that would be a cool picture. And there were some variants of this cover. One was Serpentor on the chariot. Oh, really? And you see that, yeah, the one that you see on the inside cover where mm-hmm. the credits are, that was a variant cover of that really drawn nicely and in color. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so that was pretty sharp, where he's like flying over some southwestern area like that, where cactus and some big mountains like that in the background. Really cool looking. Uh, that would be the one that I really would want if I could find that one. But I, I've never seen that one just in the, the digital version of it. Okay. Yeah, that one would have been cool. I, I don't know. It might have been cooler if the little kids had been dressed up, you know, like family photo day, but had them like wearing the little <laughs> little dark suits as well. That oh, might yeah. Have. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a little like red suits, a little, little Crimson Guard uniforms. Yeah, that would have been cool too. I'm going to give it a six. So with that, why don't we go ahead and get into the synopsis and get into the mission brief of it all with the synopsis from Weasel Skull. Jared tells me that on G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. Uh, we do. So I, okay, so stand by, DJ Cristados. I understand you have a randomizer where you're at to determine the synopsis point of view. So I'm going to let you pull that randomizer and see if we're going to tell the story from the Joe's point of view or the Cobra's point of view. Cristados, pull that lever. Here we go. It is the Joe point of view. All right. Look in the eyes of a hero And see the sacrifice within There's no way out for the hero He only lives to fight again So if you could go back in time and kill Hitler when he was a child, would you do it? Hmm. I know, it's tough. tough. But that's the pickle that our gallant General Hawk is facing. It seems that a clone of Dr. Mindbender is both trying to resurrect Serpentor and has created a squad of prepubescent world conquerors. Our Joes have three of the brats in custody, and it seems that the brass has determined that they are too High risk to let live. Well, with the children being escorted by our team that includes Spirit, Rock and Roll, Beachhead, Firewall, Roadblock, Snake Eyes, and Cover Girl, our man Hawk disobeys the superiors and orders our team to protect the children. He's not into killing kids, apparently. But even this becomes a tall order, however, when a Cobra force led by Firefly ambushes our convoy. The battle is fierce, and we lose many green shirts. But the situation becomes truly desperate when Serpentor enters the field. All right. So, folks, Christados and I talked about it. We're going to mix things up a little bit. This comic was basically three acts. 
in the first act, we have the resurrection of Serpentor in Dr. Mindbender's house slash lab. Let's talk about that scene. What did you think of it, Christados? What did you think of the art? What did you think of the story of that first act, the resurrection of, of Serpentor? Right off the bat with the art, all through this was just amazing, I think. Uh, Agreed. Very, very well done. A lot of detail in a lot of different places, especially in these opening act scenes. What really took me as well was the flashback that Mindbender has of getting trapped in that ship uh, that Cobra Commander trapped them all in. Oh, yeah, that nightmare? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, when did... I can't remember. Was Mindbender a clone? That's what I'm not really sure on. Did he die in this? I can't remember the older Marvel one run to see if... Did he come back as a clone? Did he get... So what I thought, because as he's having his nightmare, he seems to be in like one of those cloning tanks. And he talks about his memories broken, blurry. Mm -hmm. It's like he's cloned in that tank. And that's when he, in his nightmare, they're waking him up and then he wakes up. So Mm -hmm. that's why I was taking it to mean like he was, because it does say here, I am a clone. And despite my efforts to ignore it, my dreams never let me forget. Yeah. That's why I was thinking, okay, he must be a clone. But that's I was going solely off the clues from the book in that panel. Because I can't remember. And I, if it happened in the Marvel run, and then there's probably people yelling at their phones or earphones at me right now going, oh, you dummy. You don't remember that? And I don't. I'm sorry. I don't either. And I don't remember anything in this run that said he was. So it. If that's new, then that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. And then after he wakes up from that nightmare, this is kind of the first time I saw those two kids. And I pieced together, okay, Mindbender here has two of the kids in his lab. The Joes have the other three in custody. Then you have this, who's the guy with the long hair that's at the... Hannibal? Yeah, Hannibal. Is he? Yeah. A, is he's he like a, I. I think he's a clone as well too. That I wonder if he was like one that they tried to clone. You know, of of Serpentor. So all these the three the kids and Hannibal. I'm assuming are all variants of Serpentor in some way. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting to. He needs a haircut though. It's picture <laughs> day. It's picture day. You gotta get your haircut on picture day. Your dad's coming. Come on, you gotta get cleaned up. He's coming to pick you up. Any other thoughts here? Kind of ends up with Serpentor coming out of the cloning chamber. Kind of a big moment. Yeah, I do like that part as well, too, with the people that are helping him come out of there. I wonder, are those also clones of Mindbender? You know, they're like doctors. They're, I don't know who, who those people are. I but don't they know do, either. Yeah, but they do mention they stuck around for three years or, or more trying to get this to work as part of the coil Right, which I was taken to be kind of like an offshoot of Cobra, like a a separate cell, maybe a rival cell to the Cobra organization, it looks like. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure on that as well, too. But definitely uh, pulled me in right away to the story and what's going on. And then to see Serpentor come out of it and... They put a robe on him right away, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add to that is that 
I really liked how they you touched on it with the art, but they have close up of the faces of these folks and they're like crying. They're so, you know, tears of joy that this has finally been achieved. So it really adds a lot of emotion and heart to the story. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'll just leave it off by saying that as somebody that's coming new onto the book, I did have questions. I was a little bit confused, still am a little bit confused as to what's happening, but I did get the ultimate revelation that Serpentor's back, baby. Mm -hmm. All right. Second act is really only uh, one page here, and that's the page where Hawk is with the other old generals and they're discussing the fate of the kids. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not good if you're one of those kids. (laughs) So what'd you think of this scene? Again, interesting. You get a little more background of, I don't know, you know, is this the new jugglers? What's going on here? I really like it that, you know, General Hawk is part of the group now. Mm -hmm. So you can see where he is kind of keeping an eye on them and vice versa. They don't like it, but, you know, they, they have to respect his seat at the table to Put in the order for them to, you know, get rid of the children was interesting. And I could see why they would want to because they're afraid of who they are, what they're a part of. Yeah. But I don't think that's a good thing to do because, you know, maybe they could convert these kids to a a better side. Right. Yeah. And obviously Hawk's not down with this plan No, No. I think he thinks the same thing, too, as, you know, they're kids. Yeah, I think I would have a hard time with this. This general here, General What's-His-Nuts, he's like, oh, sorry, Hawk, you know, (laughs) these kids got to die. You know, let's wrap this up. Uh, You know, it's taco night down at the dining facility. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I think this is one of those things where I thought it really revealed a lot of Hawk's character. You can kind of tell. He's like, man, if we got these kids grow up and we got to fight them, so be it. But I'm not about to have my team part of this and Mm -hmm. so i really like that yeah i agree and again i think the art in here is really good i love that first panel where you kind of have the tilted angle Mm -hmm. of the round table and the general sitting around it i thought that was really cool yeah and then the lighting with it too is that they use on the coloring and that oh there's like a slit of light coming through from somewhere right Yeah, the color in here is just spectacular. And that's, I think you and Jared have remarked upon it before several times. Mm -hmm. That's really the hallmark of this book. The colors just, they always pick the right colors for the right moments. Yeah, they really are doing a great job on this series with the colors. Mm -hmm. All right, that leads us to the third and final act, Pat. Kind of a doozy, man. There's a lot of action on this one. And it opens up with the Joes in the convoy. It's got the Wolverine, you got Snake Eyes on the motorcycle, and I couldn't remember the name of that vehicle that's in the front. I wanted to say that was the Mauler or something. The Havoc. The Havoc. Thank you. Yep. The Havoc in the front. So uh, let's talk about this scene. Lots of stuff happens. Uh, What'd you think of it? This was the meat and potatoes of it. This is what the action we were wanting to happen, and I think it played out really cool. Right away, you get the convoy. With them moving the kids, Mm -hmm. we see that Firewall and Damien are there with them Mm -hmm. as Beachhead wanted them to, you know, get out and be a part of, you know, a regular mission so they can, uh, you know, definitely grow with the team. Definitely a great way to doing that. You see Roblox interacting with them as well, too. 
snake eyes, as Damien said, looking all badass. Does he ever look anything less than badass? <laughs> so, there, yeah, there were some good drawings of snake eyes on the motorcycle. And then them finding out that they are going to get attacked by Firefly and the rest of the Cobras that were kind of set up this It was pretty much an ambush. Trap, yeah. Yeah. Shut up an ambush to get the kids and find out that it was also waiting in the wings is Serpantor as he comes flying in on his flying chariot. And oh man, I love that toy. That was a cool toy. That was a cool toy. Yeah. Serpentor was a really cool character, too. I mean, just the way that he was brought about in the original G.I. Joe run, just amazing. Yep. There's a couple moments in here that I just really loved in this fight. Number one, Firefly. Firefly mm-hmm. coming out of there on that, uh, I don't even know what that is, that little motorcycle thingy. They named it, but I didn't really catch it. He was playing chicken with a roadblock there, just blasting away at each other. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Love the Wolverine toy. Of course, Jared had it yep. growing up. Love seeing that in action. Cover Girl, of course. And then that scene where Snake Eyes and who's the other other guy that was on the motorcycle? Smith. Okay, yes. Yeah, he called him Smith. Smitty uh, was shooting out the tire of the other Cobra motorcycle, and he's like, ah, it's run flats. No mm-hmm. luck. And then Snake Eyes just comes up, chucks the grenade into the motorcycle. <laughs> oh, boy. Just blows it up. That's goes, awesome. Yeah, that's another way of doing it, he said. <laughs> yeah, 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 that'll work. <laughs> Cobras throw everything at them. The kitchen sink. They yeah, the get them bats. With, mm-hmm. Helicopters carrying bats, dropping bats on the armored transport. That scene with the bats ripping open the roof of the armored transport and rock and roll just blasting away with his twin Colt 45s. Mm-hmm. It's just really a rocking action piece. I was hooked. Yeah. And then you got the full page spread of Serpentor coming in on the chariot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he kind of makes a splash by snapping uh, some dude's neck right there. That's Damien. Was that Damien? Yeah. Okay. They come back after they blow up the havoc. Damien commandeers a his tank and he kind of comes and saves the day. But in the end, Serpenter holds him up by his neck and then snaps it. Yeah. And like, it- holy cow. I couldn't believe that, that they actually, it was a guy that we started to see build up through several issues. Of Damien, you know, he was like the new techie kid, him and Firewall. So you kind of got the used to, you know, them being around and, you know, these are the newer recruits. They just weren't the green shirts. And there's a few green shirts that get it as well, too. Yeah. So old Damien, uh, rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <boy. laughs> that's, that's not looking good for the Joes. It just kind of ends up there with Dr. Mindbender, Serpentor, whole family reunited. And I don't know what's going to happen to the Joes there. They kind of leave us on a cliffhanger, don't they? They do, wanting to understand a little bit more. I'm so intrigued that I want to know, you know, how are these kids together, you know, Serpentor, he's he's a clone or resurrected, whatever they did. And, you know, what's with Mindbender 2? Mm-hmm. Is this the same Mindbender? Is there another one floating around? I don't know. I don't know. This is what I'm thinking, or at least what I gleaned from reading this. I think the memory of him being trapped in that whatever it was the Cobra mm-hmm. Commander trapped him in, I think that's a real memory. I think he died there. Okay. I think that's like his last memory. And his clone still retains that. And it haunts him to this day. He has constant memories of his own death. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it makes that's me want what to... I took away from it. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right too. It makes me want to go back and you know at least skim through that storyline and see what happened because I could swear a few people get out of there. I thought. I think I got because like Billy was down there and. You know, even he says, you know, Billy's in there, Storm Shadow's in there, all these different people that piss Commander off. Maybe they all survived by eating Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> <laughs> we don't ever talk about that, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at the ship stays at the ship. That's right. That's right. They never go in there with the shirt off. That's Start right. showing people on what you got. Oh, oh God. Yeah, look at him. He's pretty good. I'm looking hungry. meaty. I'm hungry. <laughs> I haven't eaten in days. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right i don't want to be with you on an island anymore yeah no no it's <laughs> got dark man but a very intriguing start to a new storyline it's got me interested and i love the new kind of look that serpenter has here um, with his new kind of costume upgrade making him more kind of beefy and menacing a little bit more than in the marvel run so really cool all right well, I'm going to hand it back to you then for the IG report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same 1 to 10 flag point scale we used earlier. So, Jason, 1 to 10 on the story. How many flag points will you give it? I'm going to give it a solid 8. The first part was a little confusing for me. I was trying to puzzle that piece together, but that third act really yeah. picked up i was flipping pages like a madman there so the uh, third act really saved it for me. i'm gonna give it a nine i'll bump one up just a little bit more i really enjoyed the third act as mm -hmm. we talked about i was kind of flipping forward and then back forward and back just because the artwork in it was just really amazing and it just drew you into that action that was happening yeah, and I'll say one more thing for it, too. There was a lot that was happening in there. We had vehicles firing missiles, uh, mm -hmm. firing machine guns, firing cannons. We had characters on motorcycles zipping around, shooting at each other. We had bats dropping from the sky on an armored vehicle. All this was going on, and it was all very clear what was happening. From a storytelling point of view, the art was superb. It didn't get cluttered. I never had a question about what was going on. So hats off for that. Yeah, I agree. I think you could uh, remove the words and the word bubbles and you would still understand the flow of the story. Solid uh, point. Yep. Yeah. And now it's time to award this episode's Silver Star Medal for Gallantry in Action or Silver Snake Medal for Sneaky Snakeitude. This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty or sneaky snakiness. So, Jason, sneaky snake or silver star? There's a lot this could potentially go to mm -hmm. right here. There's a lot of people that had some good moments in this issue. But I'm going to give a silver snake, sneaky snake, Ooh. as you say, to Serpentor. Gotta give it to him just because he looks so badass in that panel on his chariot. And let's face it, this battle was seesawing back and forth, could have gone either way. And he just put a period on that sentence when he showed up. He's like, nope, this fight's done. I'm killing this uh, Damien, was it? 
I'm yes. sorry, Damien. I didn't really get to know you because Serpentor just snuffed you out. Yeah, fight's over at that point. Serpentor's on the field. Game, set, and match. I will choose the opposite then. Um, you did choose a good one. I would definitely agree with you on Serpentor being a sneaky, snaky guy. But since you've chosen that one, I'm going to choose Damien. And you, like I said, you may not understand, but I do. And I think this is where he kind of stepped up to do what he had to do. Even Beachhead, I think, was really impressed uh, when he came over with the tank, with the Hiss tank. And, you know, they re-commandeered that and stopped uh, blasting some other Cobras from getting at the kids. And then stood up to Sepantor, you know, and was like, hey, man, you know, you can't do that, too. These are just kids. And <laughs> yeah. silent, puny. And you're right. I don't, I, I don't know the whole backstory on this Damien guy. I appreciate the perspective that you've given me on that. But even without knowing that, I hey, I, I'll give you respect for saying Damien because, yeah, he's one of the reasons why this battle seesawed back and forth because mm-hmm. they had the Joes on the ropes till he commandeered that his tank and started, you know, he opened up a six-pack of wool yep. on Serpentor's forces. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I... No argument here for Damien. You know, you could say Snake Eyes. You could say you could even say Hawk in this, just for him standing up to the rest of the generals as well, too. Yeah, I toyed um, with that idea because that that was kind of a bold move for Hawk to do, and uh-huh. so yeah, lots of great moments in here for characters. Well, normally uh, you'd hand this back to me for the toy chest, but yep, that's as right, li- Jared. As or li- Jason, <laughs> as <laughs> listeners know. Jared had all the G.I. Joe toys, so uh, my toy chest is a little empty, so I'm going to have to pass this back to you, uh, Christados. What did you have in your toy chest that was featured in this issue? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead and see what's in Christados' toy chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. And in this segment, I will take you through something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, we selected the Wolverine Armored Missile Vehicle. Excellent choice. Yes, very cool choice. Now, I personally did not have this vehicle. Again, the friends that I lived around, they did have that. And it was definitely a cool vehicle to play with. You know who had this vehicle, Pat? Who? Jared, really? no. yeah, 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 Jared had one. Boy, that, he must have been spoiled. Yeah, here, let me open my toy chest here. Let me see, I'll see what I have. Uh, oh, wait, there is something in here. Let me grab yeah. this. It's a, oh. it's a card, and it's addressed from my father. Let me open this up. Oh, it says, Get a job. Anyway, <laughs> back to you, Pat. <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get a description of this. And uh, this is a tank. With a rocket launcher that swivels 360 degrees and elevates. Just imagine a tank without the gun turret area, but missiles in the... It's, you know, it's basically, it's a, it's a mullet on wheels, you know. Business up front, <laughs> That's right. party in the back with the rocket launchers. It's a heck it's of a, a party. Yeah. So this had a, a place for one figure to sit in and drive the vehicle up front. Mm-hmm. Accessories, it had 12 removable missiles, so you probably lose them a lot and never find them again. Its original retail price. Now, wow, you can dig this. This has got to be a misprint. No, no. 
This is $6.39 for the original retail on this. Wow. Did you hear that, Dad? It was $6.39. (laughs) Oh, no. History on this one was the Wolverine was first released in the U.S. toy stores in 1983. It included the driver CoverGirl, which Jared has covered earlier. See what I did here? CoverGirl. It was discontinued in 1985, but they made it available from Hasbro direct via mail-away offers from 1985 until 1987. So saving those five points really paid off. So a little extra thing is uh, make sure you had to take care of the gray tow rope that attaches to Wolverine. It is easily broken and or lost. So besides those missiles as well, too. Also, this vehicle's mold was repainted or retooled for the following vehicle. And it's the Lynx in 1989. And with that one, where the swivel was with the missiles, they turned it into like like an arm and had a little... A little extended tube on it. And I don't know if that one was really used for like grabbing stuff out or putting stuff on, or if it was just a like a larger cannon on it. Was that a Joe vehicle? It was. Even? It was repainted later in okay. 89. Yep. They called it the Lynx. All right. Right on. Yeah. So all this information was brought to you by yojo.com. Appreciate that. And I wish, like I said, I wish I had one. Um, man, Me yeah. too. Me yeah. too. So if you were one of those lucky kids that had the Wolverine, you were cool. Well, next time that you have an issue that features the Ram, Pat, make sure that you have mm-hmm. me back. <laughs> it would be cool to see the Ram in action again. You know, we saw Snake Eyes on a motorcycle, but it wasn't the Ram. And it didn't really look like the Quicksilver at all either. No, it it was kind of cool, though. Yeah, was- I mean, you put Snake Eyes on a back of a moped and he looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, well, next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. Call it, G.I. Joe. Go get Breaker. He can do it. As always, we'll start off Combat Comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special Longbox video episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So, these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, a.k.a. The Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. Gary Viola. Gerald Green. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like the Jarman, too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Polio. Josh Strickland. Kathy Bright. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Timmy, Tim Price, come on down. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you very soon. 
but still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? All right, I'll ask it. How do I become a Crusaders Club member, Pat? Well, because it's you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't tell you, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. because you're filling in for Jarrett, I will have to just kind of say it openly so others can hear. Okay, hold on. Let me get my pen. Okay. Okay. Is there nothing in that? think so. Let's go. Okay. All right. Well, it is simple. You just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. From there, you can do just as little as $1 a month, and you will get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come and check it out, unless you're Jason. You may have to wait in line. Oh, man, I was going to write all that down, and there wasn't enough ink in that pen. That's, that's unfortunate. Oh, no. Too bad. That's unfortunate. Mm. Must have got taken with the Wolverine. Must have been. Yeah. Now let's see what messages our platoon of loyal listeners have waiting for us on Breakers Comsat. This is from episode 20, where we featured issue number 20 with special guest Bravo team leader Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Hey, that's you. Hey, I'm back. Hey, you're back. Yes, who's back? All right. Well, let me just roll down here. I'll grab one uh, out of the mailbag here. And uh, looks like we got some social comments from Green Lantern HG. Uh, first time, I think, uh, mm-hmm. commenter here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, GL. GL says, yeah, I want those knee pads, too. Definitely a 10 cover. And come on, guys. Scarlet might be fictional, but don't discourage Jason. I (laughs) still have hopes with my fictional crushes Rogue and Belladonna. Great episode, guys. Thanks, GL. Keep on dreaming, man. Yeah, definitely good characters to have a crush on. To each their own. To each their own. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm going to take one from Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack because the Power Pack cover can't stop. And since Jason was on as a Bravo team, Rick says, Here I sit, Romeo team commander, waiting for my call. Hmm. Mm, yep. I know the feeling. All you got to do is believe in yourself there, yeah. Romeo team leader. Just believe in yourself and your time will come. Look at Jason. He's stuck mm-hmm. on the Bravo team. Stuck it out. Waiting by the phone. Waiting, That's right. Waiting. And the time came and here he is. Yep. yep. Leader. Jared's on a special mission. Special mission. <laughs> well, I hope I don't get sent on a special mission. Well, it depends. You know, keep me off the show too long, and you might get sent on a special <laughs> mission too. Hey, and it looks like uh, this might be a first-time commenter here, Brian Fanning. It is. Oh, good, good. He says, have you guys decided if you will be covering the spinoff series or only the main series? Frontline has some great stories and Ninja Apprentice stuff, is so good, and it shows where Kamakura is from. I don't know. I'm going to let you feel that one, uh, Pat. You're kind of the co-team leader here with Jared. What, what's your thoughts on Frontline? It's been a long time since I've read that as well, so it would be interesting to go into. But I think for right now, Jared and I's mission for this one was to just get through the Devil's Due series for now. We can always circle back around and get to some Frontlines later on. Or perhaps even down the road in a spinoff or something. But for right now, we're just going to concentrate on the main series. All right. Sounds good, Pat. Brian, the only thing I can add is uh, last time I visited my brother Jared, he gave me uh, a run of the Frontline series. I haven't read it yet, but it looked really cool. So, Maybe that's something 
Bravo team and Romeo team can get together and do. That might not be a bad idea. Mm, Look what you started, Brian. Yeah, We'll see. But someone's got to edit it. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the rub, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows, Rick? They could step up, but we'll see. All right. Well, the next I'll take one from G.I. Gary. And Gary says, hey, Scarlet, save the ninja drama for your mama. (laughs) Scarlet was all up in that ninja business. And she's like, get away from me. And Snake Eyes like, but I love you, baby. And she's like, no, I don't want you doing the ninja stuff. And he's like, but I have to, baby. It's my friends. And she's like, I don't care. Talk to the hand because ninja don't care anymore. And he's like, that's cruel because the hand's the only way I can talk. (laughs) But, he was about, but babe, I wasn't even talking to you. <laughs> anyway. That's a very good synopsis of what happened. <laughs> it was. Yeah, Joe, issue 20. <laughs> oh, man. Let's take one here from Richard Myers, who says, love seeing G.I. Joe. We love reading G.I. Joe and love podcasts yeah. about it. So welcome aboard. I'll take uh, one from Lee Sand, and he says, that's a cool cover. Wish I read the Image Comics G.I. Joe run. And I had uh, mentioned in the back saying, yep, you should join us in and listen into the podcast and find the comics if you can and join in the fun. Yeah, Lee, the comics, uh, you know, you can get them relatively affordable, you know, online. You can always go back and listen to the uh, older episodes to get a synopsis and get all caught up. The guys do a really good job of breaking down what happens in the issue. So a couple of ways you can join the fun. And then we have Chris Kanak here. I don't know if he's first time. Is he a regular with you he's guys? He's a first time too. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of first timers this time go around. Well, thanks for listening, Chris. And Chris says two things. One, he says, Coco shoulder jump. All right. And then he says, Don't mind me. Thanks, the knee pads. All right. All right. I'll take the last one from Brian Waldo. And he says, I love Devil's Due and met Josh. And most of the creative team at three conventions. Very cool. Great art, great stories really made me excited for the new comics each month. It was a great time to be a collector then. Coolest cover. And we definitely agree with you, Brian. And thanks for writing into us and commenting. Appreciate it. Yep. Oh, there's one more Pat here. This might be a new guy. It's um, a jar, jar rod. Mm. Al- Alberich. Sounds he, new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. I don't know. I don't, you know, it might be one of those make a wish kids. You know, we need to be, be sensitive here. He says right now, the plan is to just cover the regular run. Once that's done, we will evaluate where we want to go next. I'm reading it. Like how I imagine he's thinking. <laughs> I could easily see us doing Frontline. I do have the whole run hard. Oh, wait, this is Jared. Oh, sorry. Ah, yes. Oh, Jared says I could easily see us doing Frontline. I do have the whole run hardbound, but it'll really just be based on how we feel after we complete the first run. So let's tie that over to to Brian's comment. Oh, yeah. Let's, there it is up top. Uh, let's tie that to Brian. And Brian, there you go. Jared's thinking about it. So keep pressuring him. I think he'll cave. <laughs> or we'll see if the Bravo and Romeo team will take it on. Oh, great. So many first-time commenters. Thank you. All right. Well, that'll bring us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, and serials, and more, 
check out the entire Longbox Crusade network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Lombox Crusade. Back to you, Jason. Thank you, Pat. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Pat, why don't you kick us off here? All right, Jason. Thank you for asking, and I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to interact with us with live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Long Box Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. And thank my brother for letting me take over uh, the commander seat here for a little while or the co-commander seat next to Pat. I had fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll see you on the battlefield next episode. You know what? This issue is so good, Pat. I might have to send one of you all on a special mission so that I can so I can Wait. come back and see what happens. So it's you sending us on missions? Mm. I'm sorry. Did that? Did I say that part out loud? Yes, that was supposed yes to be you in did. My head. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did. Uh-oh. All right. Well, they're going to see you folks again on the battlefield next episode, where they'll cover issue number twenty-three, Last Stand, Part Two of Four. Until then, platoon. Fall out! Yo! 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 The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it. <laughs>